Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. All right. Welcome, everybody to another edition of Conversations with Z and Vindesh. And Z, it's always great talking to you, and you've got very timely observations about what topics we should cover. We were talking this week, and you brought up this topic, is it worth it? And this idea, is it worth it, is actually a corollary to what we've been talking about. The last couple of conversations, we've talked about what matters. And we've tried to frame this as what matters to us to help people organize their life in a way that really feels vital and fundamental. And we talked about being able to think in a very clear, very fluid manner to reject narratives that other people have put in our mind. One thing we didn't talk about, though, is the cost of what matters. So if we want to organize our life in a certain way, and let's say we go through our priorities and we decide, you know what, for whatever reason, I want to make $10 million. And it really matters to us and that's fine. We also have to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth the time, the energy, the sacrifices we make in other parts of our lives to get at what matters to us? And if it's not, then we might want to rethink our priorities and revisit that question of what matters. So the two are linked together very closely. And I also thought it was very timely because this past weekend, I spent the weekend in Miami with a friend of mine. And this question, interestingly enough, about is it worth it, came up over and over again. And just to give you some background on this friend, uh, this is a buddy of mine I've known for probably the last seven years. I've always admired this guy because he's single and he's got this ability to go out and attract pretty young girls wherever he is. And I've thought, wow, how does this guy do it? And man, if I weren't married, I would live the exact same way. His life seems great. So we're in Miami together, and I got to see this guy in action firsthand. So the first night, we go out, and immediately he starts drinking before we go out. So we're not even out the door. He's down somewhere between two and four drinks just to loosen up. Then we head out, we go to a bar, and immediately he introduces himself to a couple at the bar. He becomes her best friend. He's telling stories. He's the life of the party. He's got them engaged. He meets their friends. It turns into a bigger party. He's buying rounds of drinks for everyone. He brings some other girls into the scene that he meets at the bar. And suddenly we're all off going to a club together. So we get to this club around midnight. We're hanging out there. He's buying more rounds of drinks. Each round of drinks is probably $200. I have no idea how many he ended up buying. So we keep on doing this. It's more of a production, more of a continuation of the party, continuation of the momentum. And at roughly two in the morning, I gave up. I'd had enough. I was tired. I came back. I went to bed. And I sleep for a few hours. And this buddy of mine rolls in at eight in the morning. So he was out for another six hours or so doing the exact same thing. 
And I saw the same pattern the entire weekend. So every night that we were out, it was, let's have a few drinks beforehand. Let's get to wherever we're going. Let's be very high energy. Let's get a lot of other people involved. Let's buy drinks for everyone. And of course, people like that. They want to have fun. They want to hang out. They want free drinks. And so he's able to go out and hang out with these young girls who just want to have a good time. But after this weekend, my perspective on him completely changed because I was worn down by the weekend. I don't even drink. I slept a lot more than my friend. And I got to the end of the weekend, and it actually took so much out of me that I was physically ill for two days. It took me two days to recover from this. And I thought to myself, there's no way in hell that I would live this kind of life. It's just too much. It consumes too much. It's too expensive. It's too much time. It's too much energy. It's too little sleep. It's too many toxins going into my body. So it was very interesting for me to actually see this guy in action and see what it requires to sustain his ability to go out and hang out with young girls. And I started thinking about my friend, because not only was he out like I was, but he was drinking, he was staying out even later. And I just thought, what is the damage that's going on in his body, in his mental state, that he's not even aware of, if he's doing this week after week after week? And Z, when we started talking about this topic, is it worth it? I thought, wow, this is a perfect example. Uh, This is an example of a life which on the surface seems great, but you delve into the details and you just think, this is completely unsustainable. Uh, This is going to kill this poor guy. What are your thoughts on this? Well, a few things come up then when you talk about what's, is it worth it? And we live in an era where there is no, what we used to call right or wrong. You have to ask yourself, is something sustainable? And is it worth it? We always have to ask ourselves that question. There's nothing about that weekend you describe that sounds interesting to me or or worth it. And what I mean by that is you find yourself offering free drinks to people. So if you're offering free bags of potato chips, you're going to have people around. If you're offering uh, free crackers, people are going to come around. If you offer free T-shirts, people are going to grab too. So you're not generating necessarily any goodwill. You're playing on the lower nature of people. And you have to ask yourself, is this output worth it at that point? And it might be worth it at that moment to, <clears throat> to coat over something and to mask something, to hide something. Um, and each person has to look at their own lives and see what am I getting out of this? And if you're inebriated, you're under the influence of, of drugs, well, for one, you're not in your right mind. So before you uh, anesthetized yourself, before you detached yourself from life, what were happening the moments before that, that the life you were living had so little value that you would and you would continually devalue that life through uh, the introduction of substances to create a ambience around you that was sustained by extraordinary efforts. Forget the price of the drinks. 
So let's say he had money to throw away, money to burn, as they say. It's still a resource and an exchange of resources. And you're burning these resources in order to get what back? Is he getting loved? He's getting attention in that moment. Yeah, attention because he's offering free things. Not because he's an interesting person. Not because people know his essence. Not because he's shared some great uh, intellectual jewel that people will embrace and revere. It is because he's offering free stuff. And so people in our low nature are constantly looking for bargains. If I can get it cheap, that's great. If I can get it free, that's even better than cheap. So then you look at what are you getting exchanged? You're getting cheap accolades, empty smiles, um, shallow reverence. So what did you get out of that? It's not worth it. Uh, in exchange, <clears throat> you threw away some cash. You lost sleep, which you'll never get back. You did not improve your social constitution. And you put this energy out. And because nature pours a vacuum, that energy now needs to be filled. So when you come off of that drug-induced um, aura, haze, you realize how empty your life is. And I've seen it a lot when I worked in the entertainment business that many of the people that the roar of the crowd, the standing O's, the embracing of, of the person they didn't know, when all that was gone, it was very difficult to face life. And each day it became more and more difficult where many of these uh, entertainers, celebrities, so much, uh, the living was very difficult and dying became very easy. And so you ask yourself, is it worth it? So each of us has to ask about our life. What is our life worth and what is life to us? For you, you got an opportunity to dip your feet in that in his pool. And when you went to his pool, you say, you know, mine's is much better. I'd rather just go home and get some rest. You'd rather go home and get some rest because your life has a greater worth. It was more fulfilling than whatever was offered there. And sometimes we Again, our narratives are very challenging, so sometimes what we do, we'll say things like the life of the party, the attention of others, the wonderful young girls. And if you step back and look at each of those things, it's not what it seems to be. So are you the life of the party? And the party was what? A party means to partake in the celebration of what? What are you? celebrating. And so if you take a moment to look at that, it's actually kind of sad. My idea of a great get-together is being surrounded by uh, friends and those that you care for that have like mind, like ideas about life, or they can stimulate your intellect, or there is uh, some sort of way that they enrich your life. If that's not happening, then it's best that you spend your time alone, and, and that's really worth it. Um, so I think we all can look at what these things take from us and what they give back to us and then decide, is it worth it? It requires a certain amount of consciousness, though, Vin. It requires a certain amount of mindfulness. 
And what you describe as I weigh it is a very, very sad picture. And much of the so-called partying alcoholism is based on emotional and health uh, health issues that have been normalized to a degree where uh, binge drinking, uh, plastic and empty hollow solicitations of relationships, all those because we haven't really found worth in ourselves. When you find worth in yourself, you have a better gauge of what is worth it. So if you are worth X, then what is it worth? You follow me, Vin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I follow you because you're expending a certain amount of yourself. You're literally giving up yourself to get something in exchange. And to your point, what you're getting better be equal or more than what you're giving. And if what you're getting is empty, it either means that it's a bad trade or it means that you perceive that who you are and what you have just isn't that worthwhile. So I want to touch on one point that you brought up. You'd mentioned that when you were in the entertainment business, there were a lot of these celebrities and they would get the high from high-fiving random people and hugging it out with fans on the street. And then they would get back to their lives and their lives would feel empty. And you didn't say this, but I would imagine there was a certain amount of depression underlying their day-to-day existence. And I saw some of that just in this weekend. I saw it in myself. At the end of the weekend, I felt melancholy. There was a certain amount of sadness that I sensed that was just present with me. And I started thinking about this, and I thought about my friend, because he's prone to mild depression. He'll get down on himself. He'll get down on his life. He'll just question what the hell he's doing, what his path is, so on and so forth. And as I started thinking about this, I thought, this is actually an inevitable consequence of expending yourself in that fashion. Because as you've pointed out, all of us are ultimately energy. Our thoughts, our emotions, our physical being, they're just different manifestations of energy. And if we're spending too much of that energy, we're spending too much of ourselves either in attracting other people or just repairing our bodies because we've drank too much, we haven't slept enough, then there's an energetic deficit. And depression would be the natural consequence of that. So we almost need to get into this depressed state just to recover that energy. Uh, We need time uh, to be by ourselves, to withdraw so that we can recharge and restore some of that energy harmony that we've lost when we go through these cycles. And if that's your life and you're doing that every weekend, it would become very unstable because you'd basically be in this manic depressive state where you go through the mania, you go through the exchange of energy, you feel depleted, and then you need to hibernate for a while to recover. But during that hibernation period, it affects your mental health and it affects your entire outlook on life. So I was curious also about your thoughts on that particular point. Is that the sort of thing that you've seen when you've been around celebrities or you've been around people who get off on having the status and having the accolades, but then bear the cost of that in their day-to-day lives? Sure, Vin. I've seen a common formula. And I remember having an entertainer 
who was very down to earth, very healthy guy who I, I still have a great fondness for and, and really enjoy his company when I get the opportunity. And he was getting off of the tour bus one morning. We had been, <coughs> excuse me, we had left a show that night and had to drive immediately from one show to another city about a 18 hour drive and get ready to prep for the press and then the show. And he literally ran off of stage that night after a huge show, went straight to the tour bus and rode 18 hours in the bus, got off and was met by a crowd of people. And he said one of the most grounding things to him was the realization that what people were focusing on wasn't him. And he said that I knew how bad I smelled after sweating on stage, unable to shower, jumping right on the tour bus, getting off the bus without having washed or brushed my teeth, and people wanting to hold me and embrace me and breathe my air in. I couldn't stand myself, so I knew they could, they could not stand me. They could only stand what they had imagined me to be. And he said, that is very grounding. And he is married and has a normal family, and he would perform. But he was one of the rare ones. The vast majority of people are taken in by the empty reverence, the hollow cheers, the um, displaced aggrandizement of this person. And what happens is you get drawn into it like a, a, a void in space. And in that moment, you experience something that is very different than the life you have. It is, an, it is an imagined life. It is an untethered life. And it's very intoxicating. It's an empty fire. It's a fairy tale. And if a person isn't of, of extraordinary, sturdy mind, then they get drawn into this. So that's why we are often shocked or disappointed when we find out our favorite celebrity is suicidal or not what they seem to be or is a, um, a criminal of some kind because the show is not sustainable. So as we go into this idea of what is worth it, for them, their daily existence isn't worth the illusion. It's not worth it. You understand? It's simply not worth it. So their life isn't worth it. So that's where when that hole, that absence of substance or energy exists, that's when it's filled with other things. That's where the drugs come in, the suicide, the endless the endless destruction of the self as we often witness in played out in the celebrity world, but it also plays out with the average one of us when we don't place a high value, a high worth on our daily life. You have to say, I am worth it. I am worth it to uh, prevent illness. It is worth it to me to preserve my life by doing preventative measures as it comes to my health. It is worth it to me to check in with the people that value me. There's not a lot of them. You will never have a lot of people. So if you're looking for a lot of people to value you, 
you're minimizing your value. Thus is the era of the internet influencer, right? Who has projected their life worth based on so many people that have liked or followed them, but they don't know them. They don't value them. They value the illusion of them. And they devalue the existence of them. So we exist. Life is existence. So we're valuing non-existence. So we have to check ourselves. It's ideally, we check ourselves and say, no, what is it? I am worth it. I have value to me. Or if I don't have that much value to me, I have value to the people that love me. I mean, isn't that the typical march to suicide? Is that uh, people often do not feel that they ever, they have a value to their life? That is also the march to alcoholism, drug addiction, the depression, and trying to fill that depression up with something that's more colorful, but yet just as empty. Even in the way that people will speak about life, naming names, where I've been, what I did, these wonderful empty stories. In your life, you may have a few, a number of wonderful tales and experiences. And each of those should be sustaining. That's how you know you have a storied life, that any one story in your life is a complete story. And by the whims of fate, if you happen to have a very storied life, then that's wonderful. But each of those should sustain you. And then wherever you're at, that story should also sustain you. That's when you know your life is worth it. And um, when we hear this issue that we have with the need to observe or assess value, to appraise value, that's when we begin to veer off track because you should be the only appraiser of your life's worth. Izzy, yeah, you bring up so many interesting points, and we've covered some of this ground in the past. We've talked about it with regard to being present and how so many of us aren't present and we just run from one thing to the next, one high to the next, one tweet to the next, whatever the hell it is. And the irony, as we've talked about before, is that we don't even know what life is worth because we've never lived. We've never been present. We don't know what that experience is like. We just assume that it's not worthwhile. And we assume that we need something more. And we assume that we need the next jolt or the next party or the next promotion or whatever it is. And what you're saying really resonates because I do think that many of us feel like our life by itself isn't worth that much. That just the mundane nature of getting up in the morning, taking care of your kids, being in a routine is somehow beneath us and we have to step above that. We have to create more excitement and we have to create more meaning in our lives. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think we get the idea that we're not worth it, number one? And number two, if we do have that idea and it's habituated, how do we get rid of it? Um, it comes from ignorance, man. Um, plain and simple. It comes from ignorance. Um, so once you understand that, 
It's about finding intelligence. In the classic philosophies, they always say strive for the mundane. Value the mundane. Your life is precious, it's random, and it's short. It's that simple. And so whenever I see people that are thrill seekers, and they say, well, I, I need to have a rush, or they critique people for uh, being at peace with themselves, I always say, wow, what a lost soul. Uh, if you could shine a light of knowledge on yourself, you could see that whatever you're doing in life and whatever you're choosing is, is, is a blessing. It's a gift. You're fortunate. And so whatever that is, be it you're hiking Mount Everest or you're taking a walk in the park for your kid, with your kids, those are just as valuable because it's up to you to say that's valuable. I have had an interesting life and I find that being with my children and being with loved ones and on a casual day is just as exciting as some of the other ventures I've been in that life chose me for. And so that value is like the value of gold. It may fluctuate, but it's always gold. The value of that commodity is always that thing. Its value may change, but it's always that thing. And we assign value to it because we see it as worth something. So I say to people, assign value to your life. And then you don't feel like you've missed out on things. You don't feel like there's things you have to seek. And oftentimes, look under the cheers and the likes and the all these other trappings. Look underneath it, and you will often find that that person that you may think of as an adventuresome soul or a thrilling individual is just like you. Or maybe they're even suffering more than you, looking for a reason to hold on to life or maybe even risking their life to experience the edge of life and death so they can feel alive, which I would say to me is very sad too. But I say what is very joyful, what is very happy, is right where you're at to say that, hey, I have all my faculties. I have a clear head. A funny thing happened with the friends and the kids. We made it home. Wow, life is wonderful. And I'm saying that from a person who has known the extremes of life. Having been to both ends, and I would say the moderate end is the best place to be. Yeah, it is interesting in life. It seems that the people sometimes who are the most content, who are the happiest with the mundane, are the ones who've been through the greatest tragedy and witnessed the greatest suffering. The ones who've experienced loss, who've been in war, who know what it's like to not have stability, to not be able to get up in the morning and go about your routine and just live and just appreciate the sun and the act of breathing and the interaction with friends and with family and the stability that allows you to blossom and develop as an individual. In some sense, maybe we're too privileged. Maybe we've gotten to a point where people haven't faced enough hardship. 
they haven't developed that appreciation of their life. And as you say, Z, they haven't assigned enough value to themselves. They haven't just decided that my life is worthwhile. Right, right. And I say that there's an exercise I think we can all do. Is, is It's working on enlightenment. And what do I mean? To sit in the center of your own consciousness and simply focus on the good fortune in your life. Not what you don't have, what's missing, what you lost. Just right here, what you have. And then assign a value to that. Look at the people you love the most and assign a value to that. However many, however many units of energy that may be worth. And you'd be surprised at the end of that assessment, of that inventory, how valuable your life is. How many people do you mean something to simply because you're you? Not because you're perfect, extraordinary, famous, infamous, just because you're you. Then assign a value to that. And if at the end of that assessment, that inventory, you see your life has a great worth, and that's, that's sustainable. But if at the end of that you feel like you're longing for something, it's empty, you should go back and recheck your inventory. And then if you still can't find it, that is when you have to seek help. You have to seek emotional, spiritual, and even mental health help. Because you are worth it. You on your own, you are worth it. Each one of us is worth it. And you can say that with a high degree of certainty because you know what? You set the value. You made it worth it. A piece of gold is useless if you're hungry and there are no markets around. A piece of gold is worth more than a handful of, is worth, is worth, worth less than a handful of nuts to a hungry man. So everything has a relative value based on the moment that it's in. So I would say, give yourself that relative value for where you are right now through practicing gratitude, enlightenment, self-awareness, self-assessment. Sit in the middle of you and your universe. And all of us were worth it. Don't, again, don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't let someone else decide if you're worth it or not. Or you'll be caught in a horrible trap in which there's no escape. Never look outside yourself for value. So when you observe people that are doing all these things, all these extraordinary things that maybe start out with tension and stress to say they're going to be happy, it's like watching people are going to different events and enduring unbelievable discomfort and hardship and frustration to get to the game or the concert or do whatever, to be in a huge crowd of people and say, wow, that was so much fun. I feel worthy of it. I made it through. So they're hazing themselves. This is maybe not somewhere an enlightened person wants to be. Create the environment and the circumstance of the environment that express your own worth. Surround your people, 
yourself with people that have the same valuation to you. And you'd be surprised at how lovely life becomes. But again, there are pitfalls. The minute you go outside of yourself to assign value to yourself, you will find yourself devalued. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I follow you. And I like this idea of taking an inventory. I think with this idea in mind, it can help solve a lot of the problems and the patterns that we fall into. So if I think about my circle of family and friends, another trap that people fall into is career. And there seems to be this narrative that more is never enough. You always need more. You always need to advance. You always need more money. You always need a bigger title. You just always have to be on the go. And if I think about some people that I'm close to, they spend years, they spend decades just working themselves to death. And number one, it creates this state of anxiety because you've internalized a narrative which says you always need more, which means that we've talked about the primal self. The primal self feels that there's always some threat. There's always some unresolved issue. And because of that, you feel stress. So you're dealing with stress. You're dealing with baseline anxiety. Your health suffers. You don't necessarily have time to work out. You might be meeting clients after work. You might be traveling a lot. That takes a toll. You can't necessarily eat the right way. And you just get into this cycle where your time and your energy is all devoted to career. You end up hiring people to help raise your kids because you don't have time to do that. Your relationship with your spouse suffers because you're never present. And it's almost like the equation is backwards. None of this stuff is worth it. What is worth giving up a loving relationship with your children and helping raise them and shepherd them through this world? What is worth the intimacy that you can create with someone that you care deeply about? Is it title? Is it money that you don't really need? What is, worth, what is your health worth? Your ability to go through life and just feel good versus walking around never knowing if you're going to suffer a heart attack or drop dead because you're on the point of exhaustion. So we've taken these things that are incredibly fundamental. Somehow we've decided that they're not worth it, either that or we haven't thought about their worth. And we've traded them for things that, frankly, we don't even need. We've exactly reversed what we should be doing. Now, maybe if we go back to that inventory and we take stock, not just of our own intrinsic worth, because we matter to our children, we matter to our friends, but we also take stock of the stuff that makes us feel good on a day-to-day basis. Our health, our relationships. And we think about that really hard. And to your point, Z, we feel grateful for what we have. We think about the moments that we've experienced, the poignancy of those moments that didn't come from chasing some dream that we'll never attain. It just came from the satisfaction of relaxing with people that you love. Or it came from walking outside and feeling like you could swing your arms freely and you could move with ease. 
it sounds trivial, but this is the stuff that actually does matter. And if we can focus our attention on these things and reacquaint ourselves with these things and reassign value, then we'll realize that what we're trading this for, whether it's celebrity or whether it's career, oftentimes isn't worth it. But to make that determination, we have to know what we're giving up. We have to know the value of what we're giving up, which is why I think your point is really fundamental uh, to go through that inventory and make sure we reacquaint ourselves with our own value and the value of just the very basics in our lives. Right, Vin. And when you do that assessment, you think about one of the teachings of the Buddha again, is imagine the people you love the most dying the most horrific death. Meditate on that. Now go forth with your life. So the moment you do that, you start to see that there's just a handful of people that really uh, add color to your life and add richness to your life and character to your life. There are certain things that you do that really uh, enrich you, be it your music, your writing, uh, whatever your hobbies or interests, your work that gives you, hopefully fulfills some part of you. And you start putting all those things together and you get to understanding what you're worth. But once you contain that and you have a clear picture of what it's worth, you then understand how to budget your energy, manage yourself. You also understand the things that take away from your self-worth and your self-value. You start to see how it's like a currency exchange. You decide whether you're so many dollars or so many yen, so many yen or so many rupees. You have different values of different currencies around the world, but like within each person, we have a different way of valuing ourselves. Some people, you'll see a happy couple together that may not be of great financial means, and they're filled with joy and happy and can't wait to be with each other. You'll find another couple that's of means and has no material wants, and they're living in constant misery, medicated, in order just to get through the day. So you say, wow, what is their system of valuing? And those who are looking to be a little more enlightened, those opt-outs, those observers, those dispassionate observers, they stand back and they use all of these, for example, who do you want to be like? What, what is your worth? And how are these people looking at their lives? And how can I look at my life so I see worth in the precious gift of life and in the opportunity to be alive and to express myself in life. And we work on that. We, we go inward. And when you're feeling down on life, even then you say, well, today the value of me as currency is a little down, but it'll come back up. And here the thing, here's the reason it'll come up because it has a underlying intrinsic value because I'm here and I'm aware that I'm here. And I'm going to nurture the things around me that that give here a meaning. So we always ask ourselves, whatever we undertake, is it worth it? And if you decide it's worth it, then go for it. But you need to ask yourself that, and you need to have a standard of worth that you've created in your own meditations and in your own introspection. I think we've come full circle. We started out talking about, is it worth it? Are the choices that we make in life around career, around the people we want to spend time with, around our aspirations, are those things worth our time, our energy, our health? And we ended up realizing, to answer that question, 
We have to know what we're worth. Are we worth it? How much value do we assign to our own lives, to our health, our time, our ability to go out and experience all that life has to offer? Often, as we discussed, we dismiss the mundane. We dismiss things that hold tremendous potential simply because we don't assign value to them. We need to get beyond this. We need to develop gratitude for the moments that we have, the experiences that we have, instead of casually dismissing them. And we talked about a personal inventory as a mechanism to recognize the value that we have and the value that our life has. And once we have a firm anchoring in our own self-worth, the question of, is it worth it, becomes much more straightforward. Because at that point, we are no longer willing to trade ourselves, our essence, for empty experiences and shallow relationships. So develop that anchor. Develop that intrinsic sense of worth. Put an appropriate value on your time, on your relationships, on yourself. And make sure that whatever you're doing, however you're spending your resources, you're getting something equally valuable in exchange. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening. And please tune in again next week. Peace.